This Architecture podcast is sponsored by Adelaide. Remember where's Waldo? He was 100% viewable, but still awfully hard to find. Your digital ads are like Waldo. Viewable, but in a sea of distractions. You need to move beyond viewability. Adelaide helps brands like Mars, Audi, Colgate, and the NBA measure media quality and drive better performance by optimizing campaigns programmatically with attention data. Adelaide's metric, AU, is available at nearly every major DSP and SSP, making it easy to leverage attention metrics. Get a free Waldo was viewable t-shirt at adelaidemetrics.com slash Waldo. All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Eric Franchi, and I am a general partner at Aperium Ventures, and I'm joined by Ari Paparo, who is a unemployed podcaster. That is correct. Middle-aged, overweight, unemployed podcaster. <laughs> Amazing. And welcome to the final architecture episode of the year. Is this number 52? This is number 52. Amazing. So every week, we've been in your ears, recording pods, bringing it. Exactly. I think we skipped Thanksgiving, but that was the only one. That's right. That's right. So first, thank you all for being uh, listeners uh, this year. Thank you for uh, stopping us at events on the street and meetings, telling us about the pod and what, what you what you like, what you, what you don't like. And we'll, we'll continue doing it next year. But uh, we were actually going to take this week off. But last minute decision when R and I were hanging out, um, actually in person for a rare opportunity earlier this week was, hey, let's let's do a year end episode. Let's uh, let's do the year that was. Uh, and we've decided to mix it up a little bit with a format and not just do a uh, list of all the things that happened this year, but actually do some uh, awards. So taking a page out of some other podcasts that we listen to, we have a list of best ofs, um, and actually, I think one or two worst ofs, and we're going to go through it. And then afterwards, we're going to talk about some predictions for next year and maybe give a little bit of recap on on this year from a personal perspective uh, throughout. You should know that we have not shared our answers with each other, so this might be funny because I have no idea what Ari's thinking, and Ari has no idea of the orthogonal picks that I've come up with. So well, let's hope let's hope funny is the reaction and not embarrassing or cringeworthy. All right, I'm going to get us started. So uh, the first category is the hottest trend. What's the hottest trend in 2023? You're going to go first. I'll go first. I, I think it's definitely commerce media, uh, which is the new name for retail media. There are over 150 retail media networks at this point, which is a crazy number. Group M said there's going to be $125 billion in revenue going through these networks. Uh, and it's so hot that there are, of course, like ridiculous examples, like 7-Eleven has its own retail media network, which I just think is hysterical. I'm just wondering, uh, I think on the pod, we predicted at some point that Cinnabon was going to be when we hit the peak, when we heard about the Cinnabon <laughs> media network. Smells like cinnamon when you see the ads. That would be kind of the peak. Haven't seen that yet, but I think we're pretty close. What about you? What, what do you think the hottest trend was? That's amazing. Um, you know, so I tried to be non-obvious with these, and retail media, commerce media was the obvious. Um, my pick was the black box, set it, forget it, customized algorithm products uh, that, uh, you know, Google with Pmax, uh, Meta with Advantage Plus, came out with this year, I think they, um, you know, especially with uh, Advantage Plus, it's at a $10 billion run rate, and it didn't exist at this time last year. So I think that's pretty amazing, number one, just, you know, sh showing the the, the sort of you know, potential of AI, the strength of these platforms. And um, number two, like, it's like driving real business, you know, to the extent that 
the business of you know Pmax and Advantage Plus alone might be larger than the commerce media space x Amazon x Walmart, and I think it's only going to continue to gain some momentum, and I think it'll have some implications for for the rest of the ecosystem. So that was my pick. Yeah, that's a really good one. I think it's an interesting area because these companies have been talking about AI and about set set it and forget it for ten years, but suddenly it sort of crossed some threshold. And I, it was almost like almost an internal thing where the, the companies internally finally became convinced that they could kind of shove it down everyone's throat, that their algorithms were so good that they could just kind of switch their bearing in the marketplace and say, uh, set it and forget it should be the default. You should use our systems. And if you want to be a pain in the ass outlier, you can do it the old fashioned way. Yep. And, um, you know, in an age where, you know, so many marketers are, Talking about, I think correctly so, uh, transparency. There's not a lot of transparency with these. So I think it's super interesting. There really isn't. All right, let's go the opposite way. What was the biggest trend flop or the most hype? Why don't you go first? Uh, So the biggest uh, trend flop was NFTs. Um, (laughs) I forgot that. Was that this year? I I forgot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think. um, I don't think that uh, Web3 and, and crypto is dead per se. Um, I think the actually the pod with Antonio uh, Garcia Martinez, that was one of my choices for best of the year in terms of like breaking down what's happening and the potential and where, where it could go from here. But like NFTs as a marketing channel, I thought would be a thing between just like what happened with the market and just like the the utter collapse of FTX and so on and so forth. Like, you know, it was, it was a little bit of abandoned ship and all of the activity uh, ceased. Um, and it, so that NFTs was, may have been one of the biggest flops in the history of tech. But the thing is, it was so obvious at the time that you're paying tens of thousands of dollars for a URL that represented a magic JPEG was, uh, you know, in retrospect, kind of almost a Silicon Valley episode, the whole thing. So for me, my biggest flop, and you're going to hate this one, Eric, is AI creative. AI creative is has been so hyped, and I've had so many entrepreneurs call me, say they're working on it, and that it's great, and it's so cool, we can create images using AI. And the reason I think it's a flop is not because it's a bad idea. It's a good idea. It's a flop because it's not necessarily an idea that will support an independent standalone business. There haven't been that many examples of creative companies who've gotten to scale, and AI is sort of a low uh, barrier to entry where effectively anyone can use these tools to create a creative. And also, the successes in this area that have happened already are all dominated by the Walmart Gardens. You know, Google, Amazon, and Facebook have all rolled out AI creatives in some form because they have enough, both the AI chops and enough data to optimize those creatives in near real time. Um, so I don't believe AI creative is a separate category in ad tech, and uh, I'm tired of hearing about people trying it. Yeah, I mean... I don't hate this as much as you might think, because I agree with you that this is part of some larger stack, some larger solution. And the companies that we've invested in, um, they're just not sitting on top of a generative AI solution and you know, kind of putting a new skin on it and, and putting it out there. Like It's very easy to create images. The question is, like, how do you create value uh, with it? So we're, we're, not, we're not as off in, in terms of our thinking here as, as you might think. All right. Um, so let's talk about people. Um, so we have a category here. Who Who's the best public CEO, public company CEO this year? You go first. Uh, I'm going to go with Mark Sigorsky. Uh, so I am friends with Mark. He's a great guy. Um, Double Verify has currently, I looked it up yesterday, 
$6.1 billion market cap. And their direct competitor, IAS, which is also a really good company, is about half of that. Um, they're in a P ratio of 112. They uh, acquired Cybeds, which is a very interesting move for them to have an additional offering to their customers. And they've done a ton of BD deals with Wall Gardens, with retail media networks. They're just kind of getting into every place marketers want to go. And I just think he's done, you know, a bang up job. Yeah, that's a great choice, actually. Did you have a runner up here? I did. You're not going to believe it. It's uh, Evan Spiegel from Snap. Really? Yeah, Snap's on the way back. They've had a couple of really terrible years. They never took ad tech very seriously, but the stock has doubled in the last couple of months. They are investing heavily in AI. They're a real leader in AI. They have a subscription product that's growing very well, and they're starting to put some put some wood behind the arrows on ads. So I'm, I'm big on Snap in 2024. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, I like it. I like the non-obvious. So my choice for uh, for best public company CEO was, um, was Zuck. Mark Zuckerberg, you know, perhaps this is you know orthogonal in the way that um that that Evan Spiegel was maybe not not as as indirectly. So you know, if you talk to an ad seller, one of their biggest frustrations is you know when we walk into the room, fifty percent of budget has already been allocated to Meta and Google. So it's just a beast of an advertising business. But if you look at this time last year, people thought Meta was dead. They you know like totally blew it on over investing in the metaverse. But you fast forward, from a financial perspective, the stock is up 170%. As I said before, they've built you know what I think is one of the hottest advertising products with um, Advantage Plus, $10 billion run rate, bigger than most of the Lumascape, executed through what was very difficult, right? The year of efficiency with right-sizing the business, launched Threads, launched Llama, and had this like personal arc where he was challenging or accepting the challenge of Elon Musk fighting him. He's posting <laughs> uh, pictures on threads and Instagram training with like some of my favorite UFC fighters. He's jacked. Like he has come full circle and, you know, is truly uh, our greatest millennial yet again. All right. We're, we're turning this into a sports show. Like, oh, man, if he had busted his ACL next year, it would be even better. He's going to be the all-star public CEOs with that ACL. He like, uh, all right. I had a runner up. Adam Faroji from um, from AppLovin. Okay, yep, that company continues to do incredible. Yeah, yeah, I th- think um, you know, it's the uh, the number one in terms of uh, a stock return um, across all of the the ad tech set. If you consider it ad tech, it's up two hundred eighty percent year over year. It's interesting. Also, it's sort of an unfair comparison, but an interesting one in that the market cap of AppLovin is larger than the market cap of several social companies. I think including Snap at some point. Maybe it's maybe it's reversed at this point. On to best private company CEO. And I really, I actually don't really have anyone here. I'm kind of interested to what you say, because I mean, I don't want to just call out any of the companies I've invested in, but I'm interested in what you have to say here, Eric. Yeah. Similarly, with all this stuff, as we get into choices around people in the ecosystem, companies, this is a tough one because what I do for a living is try to find the best startups, invest in them, and support the CEOs. So I, I actually have two. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you one. Um, my first uh, was Jess Sibley from Time. So, you know, like, you know, we talk a lot about media. We talk a lot about publishers. I sort of consider this part of the ecosystem. If you look at what Jess has done with Time over the course of the past year, it is like actually remarkable. Um, so she's been there for a year. The journalism that they've put out has been incredible. They're like year up, like positive in terms of advertising revenue. 
She's launched businesses over the course of the past year. So like a global live events business, branded content, podcast, a like, you know, entire like, you know, uh, storytelling thing. So what they've done over the course of the past year under her leadership, I think is quite remarkable. Sam Altman spoke at, you know, the time person of the year as person of the year. So, you know, I think what she's done has been incredible in a year where like it's been so difficult to be a, a, a publisher. And she's like, you know, I think revitalized one of the most storied brands, which again, if you look at the the episode we just launched today with Andrew Kraft, you know, storied publishers, legacy publishers, they're not as relevant. And I think time is as relevant as it's been under Jess. Yeah, that's great. I mean, Jess was a great guest on our show over the summer. You should go back and listen to the episode with her. I appreciate Taylor Swift as person of the year. And I uh, and I was very disappointed to hear Professor Galloway crapping all over her. I mean, Miss uh, Miss Swift is the most important person in the country, no doubt. All right. <laughs> Continue, Eric. <laughs> all right. All right. So then we'll 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 come back to our ecosystem and get, give you an ad tech pick. My choice for private company CEO of the year in ad tech is Oz Etzioni from um Clinch. So Clinch, if you're not aware, you should check out the Markitecture CEO episode. They have built an incredible product and actually like a creative AI product, but have put together a lot of disparate pieces of the stack. And, you know, it's it's quite incredible. So number one, like a built, I think, a, a perhaps a category defining product. Number two, like they win awards left and right for the product being a great place to work. Like the client wins are ridiculous. Again, go on the website. There's nothing here that I'm sort of like speaking about personally, but from a personal perspective, so they're a portfolio company, and Oz, uh, he's Israeli, and um, they have people in, in Israel. And uh, you know his updates since October 7th in terms of how he's managing the business, how he's helping uh, his employees, and just like kind of going through it with, with this incredible like stoicism has been just, I'm just like floored. At, um, and how he's managed the business through this as as a you know as an Israeli with family and and employees and, and friends there and you know he's just you know almost like it's just the, the the level of just like pure execution has been you know inspiring to to me and I um yeah I asked for a little bit of help because we were doing some stuff for nonprofits on the ground there in the middle of all of this and he was just like yep say no more got it during a time where, I mean, I have no idea what, what kind of stress he was under. So um, I'm just like so inspired by, by Oz um, and he's quite understated. So, you know, perhaps some folks will uh, will get to know him a little bit after uh, after hearing this. That's great. Yeah. I think the Clinch interview I did with Oz was great. It's on Architecture TV. They have a product that I was actually wowed by. It's rare that happens, but it's quite a good product. Um, I'd recommend checking it out. Um, I'll cheat. I'm going to give a cheat answer to this question of as private CEO, which is I'm going to go with Ryan Reynolds for Mountain. I know he's not the CEO, but I don't care. The guy is a genius. I think some people have seen lately their new campaign for Mountain where they have an account executive whose name is Seymour Roas. Uh, and I just like hats off, hats off. My hat is so off. I can't even find it anymore. I'm just, I love that. Uh, and Mountain's a cool company anyway. And he didn't he sell his stake in Mint Mobile for like billions this year? He did. Incredible. Good for him. Yeah. And yeah. his friends are telling like which is very impressive. Um, okay. <laughs> let's let's go with a, a related category. I'm skipping around a little bit, which is hottest early stage startup. So let's just be clear here. Both Eric and I are going to talk up our game as investors. 
I'm going to guess. I'm going to go first. And maybe we both are going to say stay the same company, which would be funny. Uh, I'm going to go with Sincera. So Sincera. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, I'm an investor. Eric's an investor. Pretty small company still. They raised 4.2 million of a seed round. Their vision is to be the metadata of the internet, um, which means that they are collecting all sorts of super interesting data from websites about how they use ads, how they which who bids, how they bid. The thing that's interesting about them is just their intense dedication to the craft. Um, you know, they really care about measuring things correctly and measuring things other people are not measuring. Uh, and it turns out when you do that, you kind of find a lot of really interesting data that people are willing to pay for. Again, listeners, we did not share this in advance. Um, that was uh, that was my choice as well. And we we are an investor in uh, in Cicero through the fund. So we invested in twelve new companies this year. So this was a hard one for me. Um, and we've, if we define early stage as you know kind of Series seed or earlier or Series A or, or earlier, and with Sincera, it's a couple of things. Um, to your point, it's industry wide or you know internet wide metadata. So what this industry needs during a time of like intense change and intense problems and competition is access to real data to build products for the future. Um, and Sincera. I think is like the only company that has the level of data that allows for this. So the momentum that they've seen with just like the early adopters has been quite impressive. And then number two, to to your point, they put together a price round this year. It was very difficult to get a price round done this year. It was very difficult to get a price round done in ad tech this year. The lead investor is an excellent investor. They were the lead uh, in, um, in triple if seed. And then the other thing that was interesting about this one, and again, if you if if you sort of believe that insiders m- might have you know the the early look at what might be an interesting product of the future, this is the first and only company that uh, our fund, which specializes in ad tech and martech, LiveRem's fund, um, which you know is doesn't do too many investments, but they've they've done some great ones over the years, and TD Seven Trade Desk Fund all invested in, alongside you, Ari Papari, alongside uh, <laughs> Jonah Goodhart, alongside uh, Oren. So, you know, again, n- none of this is a is a um, promise of success, but it's really interesting to see, you know, just what the what the sort of ecosystem around this company is uh, to, to help ultimately support it. And um, and to your point, Mike and Ian are animals in such a good way. Mike and I were hanging together at the, the, the DMS uh, Terry's conference in, in New York earlier this year, and we were sitting there in the audience and he was on his laptop, like working, coding the entire time furiously click clacking on his laptop i mean with the red hair just down and just like working and banging out this was when we hadn't yet invested and i was like sitting there texting joe my partner saying we got to get into this company yeah he's really dedicated also he was on one of our early episodes this year where we did the top so 10 countdown of ids and that was one of the highest content ratio episodes uh we've had so good this is a message from our sponsor I'd like to introduce you to Publica by IAS, the award-winning CTV ad server trusted by some of the biggest streaming services and smart TV manufacturers globally. Publica helps a growing number of leading AVOD and fast services to power the programmatic ad break decisioning via products including a unified auction, server-side ad insertion, and a demand-agnostic ad server built from the ground up around streaming. Head to getpublica.com to find out how they help CTV publishers to grow their advertising revenues and provide streaming audiences with linear-like TV ad break experiences. Um, all right, let's transition to the hottest late-stage private company. Um, I'll start. Um, 
So we on this podcast have covered pretty extensively the future of television measurement um, and the JIC and the ability to move beyond Nielsen ratings. I think we have to give a shout out to Ross McRae and VideoAmp. Uh, VideoAmp has been plugging away at this problem uh, since before it was fashionable. They raised a $150 million Series G round. G as in Gaga, Ghost. That's a lot of money, but it takes a lot of money to compete with Nielsen. It's a very big problem measuring TV. And I think that they're in, they're not maybe the definitive winner, but they're in the pole position to be a part of that. Yeah, that's a that's a great choice. Um, and uh, yeah, to, to, to your point, Series Gs are extremely rare, um, but they're going after, you know, what is an extremely rare opportunity and extremely, you know, in, intense, uh, large, you know, encumbered uh, or entrenched competitor. My my choice was uh, was Kevl, uh portfolio company. So to your point earlier in the episode, your choice was uh, you know of the hottest trend, commerce media. If you go back to all of the episodes that we've done that touched on commerce media, or if you look at the space, um, the the company that is on everybody's lips when it's how do you build uh, for this uh, wave is um, is Kevl. They've done a great job, and this is not a startup. This is a company that launched in 2012. Of you know building the tools you know the picks and shovels to to build commerce media businesses and you know if you go to their site the client list of non obvious companies not Cinnabon um, not Seven Eleven or maybe Seven Eleven that are building advertising businesses on on Kevl is is pretty incredible so so I think that they're you know really accelerating this whole wave that we're seeing in commerce media and um, and James has been you know incredible CEO to to work with hear me out like if you could get a banner ad to smell like that cinnamon. Like people will click on it. People will click on it. Pure commerce. <laughs> Do you remember the startup in the nineties that would uh, create smells on your PC? Did you sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Basically well, what- plug in a device to your PC and you'd have these That's- packets and then when you watched a movie it would give off a popcorn smell. That was like right. the NFTs of the nineties. That was like an equivalent bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. Okay. Um, what is the most promising new technology? Oh, it's got to be generative AI. I mean, no? Maybe uh, that's your opinion. Sure. I mean, I think we talked, I also called it the um, the biggest trend flop. So I'm not sure where we re- how we reconcile that. Okay, fine. So I'll, I'll put my stake in the ground. And again, sorry, sorry for the listener. We're like looking at each other trying to figure out, <laughs> like, wait, what what's going on here? How can you not, um, with the year that passed, look at generative AI in terms of uh, its impact as a consumer product? So fastest growing consumer product in history. You know how it captured the the zeitgeist more recently with the you know Sam Altman getting fired, Sam Altman coming back. But then if you like actually use some of these products both in your daily life and then increasingly as you're seeing some of the business applications, it's incredible. It's like plugging into the internet for the first time, at least from my perspective. Yeah, and it, absolutely. I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I do. I am pretty unclear on how it's going to affect our world, advertising marketing. Um, so far, I think it's probably affected it negatively for the most part in terms of creating content garbage and stuff like that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. So I, I, I took this a little more literally and I said, what technology is promising the most? And I said it's the privacy sandbox, quite obviously. It's promising to redo the entire advertising ecosystem in the browser. Every single thing we've done for the last 20 years, rewritten all at once. If you were in a startup and you said to the CEO, hey, we're going to rewrite everything all at once and launch it later this year, they would laugh you out of the room. 
but that's what Google's doing with uh, ad ecosystem. And it's going to be the major story in 2024, I think, is how that gets so. adopted or not adopted. You ready to do the, the low light? Yeah. What's the most cringe moment of 2023 in advertising? Define cringe. Like, oh. Yeah, you know what cringe is. It's the opposite of, opposite of rude. <laughs> I'll go first. Um, collapse of SVB. Ooh, that's a good one. I forgot about that one. That was this year? Oh, my God. And again, yeah. Oh, this year? Forget about it. Let's talk about this year in a, in a little bit. So the collapse of, of SVB uh, might not have affected everyone listening to this, um, but if you uh, worked at a startup, uh, work with startups, were a venture fund, it was the longest weekend of, of your life from a professional perspective. Um, so, you know, our fund had uh, capital SVB, um, you know, like the rest of the industry, I think it was 30 to 40% of all the companies that we invested in had, you know, either all of or the majority of their capital at SVB. Uh, Roku had like 25% of their money at SVB. And there was a real chance that this bank was going to go down and the government was not going to step in. And we would have seen uh, carnage in terms of companies shutting down and downstream effects on the, the business and the world that we've never seen before. Yeah, I remember the Jason Kalkanis tweets over the weekend. Yeah. I remember he was tweeting like Mad Max memes. And <laughs> we're going to have to eat each other's flesh on Monday. <laughs> really something. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, I didn't get a, a, a wink of sleep that weekend. And, and I had to, you know, sort of, you know, kind of balance the communications inbound from startups and, and outbound to, um, to investors. And what was so frustrating was this did not have to be, you know, the VCs that helped to create. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank over the course of the you know past two decades were the ones that accelerated its unnecessary demise. Um, so it was just yeah for me, from a professional perspective, like it didn't get it didn't get worse. But you know perhaps there's one that's a little bit closer to home. Yeah, yeah. So for me, and I, once again, I focus a little bit more in the ad tech, martech world, and the two two. I'm going to say it's a tie. First would be MediaMath bankruptcy, which um, was unfortunate and cost a lot of people a lot of money and was sort of an end of an era. And the second is the the GFY heard around the world just from a couple of weeks ago. The We don't have the worst private CEO on this list, but if we did, it would be a shoe-in for a certain rocket and solar-powered person who should not be in social media. I guess he's not CEO, sorry. So he'd be the chairman or whatever. The um, But yeah, the... the Telling your advertisers to go fuck themselves, really not the best. It was not the best. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, we've, we've covered this uh, qu quite extensively. Um, what was so weird was, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty mild-mannered guy. I tend to just, like, stay, stay out of trouble. But two of the three most cringe moments, I was somehow in the, in the middle of both <laughs> with, with being an SVB customer and, you know, our, 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 our connection to to media math so it was um yeah it was it was a weird one i was pretty happy to have nothing to do with media math throughout my career i just absolutely no involvement so that that was uh good for me uh, we should also pour one out for emx everyone forgets emx went bankrupt this year too pretty decent sized ssp to the just went belly up also leaving a lot of people holding the bag well let's talk a little more internally as we uh as we close out this episode so we've been doing architecture for a year 52 episodes that's a lot um what were the best episodes 
I mean, we talked about a couple of them already. So I thought Mike from Sincera just like brought it in terms of like giving real time perspective and understanding on the identity space. I thought Chris from Jounce episode one and episode two was just a masterclass of learning about what's going on with MFA and SPO and everything that was going on um, there. And, and I thought more recently, the um, the episode with uh, with with the market guys, the t- taking inventory, James and, and Dan, just you know h- how they you know, are thinking about commerce, how thinking about how they're thinking about AI, and then also I think being able to um, to show what this next generation of of founders you know looks like and and you know is is thinking and you know the level of talent. I thought that was great. I thought it was one of the best ones of the of the year. Yeah, that was that was a good one. Um, so I looked at the data. Um, there is some data. Podcast data is a little bit hard to come by. Uh, the number one episode by listens was the Media Math Emergency Podcast, where we did a quick podcast based on on Media Math going under. Number two was Privacy Expert Alan Chappelle says marketers are effed. That was a good one. He's a very smart, interesting person. I'm surprised that's number two, but still, it's a good episode. And number three was Chris Kane's first appearance, where he kind of went through SPO. Uh, Chris is also the only person to appear more than once. Uh, on the episode, we had two Chris episodes because he's got so much content. My personal favorite is none of those. My personal favorite is Christoph from Analytics, um, who really told us in a lot of detail what he was finding with Google's uh, extended YouTube network and how it was uh, serving bad ads to children. Um, I just thought it was all meat and potatoes. I think you missed that one, Eric, uh, but that's not the reason I like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um- I saw yeah, and and agreed on on all that. Um, I saw someone post uh, on LinkedIn that Analytics was the the marketer of the year. Yeah, there's something to say for that. Um, they did a really great job getting their name out there, and it's a really small company. It's like Christoph uh, and a bunch of a bunch of people collecting data. Um, so, what did you learn this year? What what did you learn from the market Center pod? I mean, I, I go back to to Chris from um, from Jounce. And, you know, him shedding light on, you know, just like what was happening with MFA, like truly using data, you know, and the, the, the sort of like extent of it and, and then how it could be addressed. And, you know, just, like, you know, again, sort of SPO is a little bit under the surface. It's not necessarily like, you know, dri- driving, you know, the growth that, that an investor like I might, might look for, but, you know, has a real effect on the ecosystem. So, yeah, I mean, I, I came away with a lot of learnings from him. Just in terms of you know how the programmatic ecosystem was effed up from a supply chain perspective, but then also what to do about it. Yeah, you know, I did also, and and specifically, I have a specific point from that episode, which is when I asked Chris whether MFA sites were driving traffic from native advertising groups. So in my mind, the flow of traffic was from major publisher like a Time Inc. They have a Tabula thing at the bottom of the page users click on it they go to an mfa site and that gets recycled and he told me no i was wrong that actually the number one source of traffic for mfa site is facebook facebook blue app with crappy ads on the side super interesting that that was kind of opened my eyes a lot as to how money is flowing around here yeah yeah Uh, the other thing i learned was how to sell ads on podcasts which was a skill i did not think i needed and probably still do not need but it's taking up a lot of my time Doing well, man. we're coming up with Q1. If everyone's got Q1 budgets, give me a call. We got we have some space available. 
Okay, last. Let's close this out. Let's give me some good predictions for 2024. I have to take the other side of your um, AI doom perspective, and I think that AI is going to have real significant business impact across every part of the ecosystem. I think we're going to see, you know, companies built on AI becoming the next generation of leaders, and I think we're going to see the first AI agency. All right, um, I, I'm not. I'm not a doomer. I love AI. I just think it's sort of meh in terms of its actual impact on the stuff we do day to day. I think the real danger for AI is that it entirely eliminates certain categories that we're used to dealing with, like multi-touch attribution or ad serving or other things like that. It just trivializes them. Exactly. Which is which is why I think that it has like real impact because I see those companies and I see what they're what they're doing and the impact that they're having, and it's just inevitable. So I think yeah. it starts to shake shit up. I have uh, I have two predictions. Uh, the first one, which I've talked about previously on this podcast, is that I think uh, commerce media is going to have a little bit of a trough of disillusionment, uh, where the ROI isn't always there, and the tools aren't always there, and no one wants to buy ads on Seven Eleven. Uh, and it's not that it's a bad thing; it's still going to be producing value. It's just the classic overhyped underhyped cycle, um, and we will see announcements by some retailers that are pulling back, or they're merging, or they're outsourcing. So that's kind of the first one. You want to agree or disagree on that one, Eric? No, I, I don't. I don't disagree per se, but I think that there will be some company or companies emerge to help solve for that. So I don't think we see a wholesale consolidation and um, wind down of all these RMNs that have uh, popped up over the course of the of the of the past couple of years. I think we continue to see more of them. But I think there becomes some sort of layer that allows for, you know, I think simple programmatic access across them, uh, new businesses that can help, you know, monetize in an indirect way. Um, so no, I don't. I'll take the other side of it. I think we have a trough of dis- disillusion okay. in in, um, in retail media at all. I think it continues to grow and becomes exciting. I've actually changed my mind on this one just in the past month, but uh, my new prediction is that. The sandbox deprecation of cookies is not going to be a big deal for most ad tech companies because they're just going to continue using IP address and they're going to drive right through it and not care about most of it. And there actually won't be that many sandbox implementations because people will just kind of muddle through it. I don't think in the long term that'll happen. I think in the long term there'll be changes, but I don't see the big 2024 disruption from the rollout. Yeah, I had a similar prediction. Um, I wrote ad tech finds a way, like always. <laughs> you know, but basically said s- s- yeah. a different way. You know, uh, ad tech o- always figures it out. I think I think that makes sense. Um, here's a here's here's one that I'll put out there, and then I want to I want to ask you uh, specifically for a prediction. So um, so I think in 2024, Netflix lets it rip and builds a giant CTV business um, because they've done a lot of work this year, like testing, rolling it out slowly, building the team, building the offering. I think they let it rip and they become the Amazon, so the Amazon of, of retail media, Netflix for, for CTV. What do you think? Uh, I think that's possible. I think it's definitely possible. They're doing the right things. I think they're taking it very seriously. I think that one of the hurdles they have is that still the vast majority of reach that they access and it's not going to see any ads. So um, the real question, I, the real thing that would be shocking, I think, in 2024 is if they started showing ads to a larger percentage of their 
consumers, including ones who pay significant amounts for the service. And that would really be a, a interesting moment because effectively Amazon is doing that strategy with Fire where the even paid customers are sick ads. Uh, and if Netflix does that, that would be a real watershed. The other watershed would be if Netflix starts serving video ads off Netflix. Yeah. So under the ca- under the broad umbrella of let's it rip, I think there's a real there's real exciting um, ways that this can go. So that's mine. And then I got I got one for you. I want to ask you because you you're on top of this stuff more than anybody. What do you think happens with Google? And do they spin it out? Do they not the spin it out? Yeah. Are they forced to spin it out? Like, do you think something? Ha- A, do you think something happens this year? 2024, and then B, what happens? So we should hear about the search antitrust trial in the next couple of months, the results of that, because the trial's over. Um, my guess is Google wins that one, um, and that there isn't much, or they have some concession that's mild, doesn't really affect the business. The current schedule is for the ad tech antitrust case to start in March, and who knows if it'll be delayed, but that's the latest date. I've been on the record as saying that I think it would be to Google's benefit to accept a breakup and to remove their network business from their from their whole system. I think with cookies going away, the network business loses some value also. Um, so it'd be a great time to do that. I would say, I'll say there's about a 50-50 chance of that happening. Maybe it probably wouldn't complete in 2024, but the trial not going great for Google and then coming up with an accommodation of some kind, 50-50. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I, I think it's 5052. Before we close it out, how was this year for you? 2023 was an interesting year. I mean, I did a lot of new things. This podcast has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, personal things have changed in my life. I'm in a new place. My kids are getting older. It's been good. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, this was a challenging year. If, you know, again, just doing the look back on here, you know, with like, I mean, SVB and, you know, some of the the, the ecosystem challenges and, you know, what, what's going on um, in, in, the, in the Middle East with, with war and, you know, just the, the impact. And then, yeah, I mean, just a bunch of, bunch of stuff on the personal front. This was a, this was a wild year. Um, I'm wondering what, uh, what 24 is going to be like. Do you have any New Year's resolutions or big plans? <laughs> well, what I'll say... Ari hates this. By the way, people, Ari hates this stuff. So I do this, hate this, this stuff. Fun. Um, what I will give some perspective, which is going into 2023, everyone thought it was going to be a horrendous year. Inflation was out of control. Interest rates were going up. Companies were dying left and right. And economically, the United States did incredibly well. It was it was one of the best economic years in history. Um, so Especially that was exciting. Yeah. yeah. So going into 2024, my biggest question is political. You know, we have to prevent Trump from winning at all costs. Uh, and that's really the that's really the call. Like no one could anyone who feels otherwise could unsubscribe from this podcast. <laughs> you heard you heard it from the man. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, to 24. I think um, there's a there, there's a chance that some of this. Uh, economic momentum continues. I think you know might see you know sort of spe- more specific to to the subject matter here. I think we might see an uptick in M and A. I think we might see some like you know interesting strategic moves. So I'm I'm super excited to uh, to get into it. Yeah, I'm very open minded right now personally. So um, if anyone wants to have me on their listening tour or vice versa, I'm, uh, give me a call. I'm open to new things. I'm feeling very creative. 
So let, let, let's uh, put a bow on this year. So let, first, I just want to thank all of our listeners and our advertisers uh, yeah. who've been great and kept this going and made it exciting for Eric and I to show up every week and do this, um, and our guests. So people have taken time out of the busy schedules to talk to us and hear uh, our ridiculous ideas about things. Uh, so thank you very much. Absolutely. Um, it's been it's been just fun doing this every single week. We we have fun. We laugh. We We have a document that you know, we, we, we put the agendas on, so it's been a, it's been certainly a highlight. So all right, it's been it's been great working with you on this and look forward to twenty four on, on the on the pod, brother. Exactly, me too. And let me just give a quick shout out to the unsung heroes. So Mike Feldhaber, who is our audio editor who uh, behind the scenes makes us sound halfway decent. We had a couple weeks where I did it myself and it sounded horrible. So we, we know he's adding a lot of value. Mike, leave this in. Don't cut this. Happy New Year to you and your family. All right. So long everybody. Thank you. Thank you for subscribing to Marketecture. New interviews are added every week at Marketecture.tv and your favorite podcasting app.